you know what? I don't want to be as good as you. I want to be far better than you. I want to fucking eclipse you, man. You know, the venom is real. <laughs> oh my God. You are talking to a double whammy, right? A female and an Asian in the white boys club. My dyslexia is my secret weapon and yeah. I use it every day. Welcome to The Imposterous. The Imposterous is hosted by me, Graham Drew, and Michael Knox. Two rather insecure frauds who will be exploring the motivating and debilitating experiences we all have with imposter syndrome. With a sneaky suspicion that it might just be your superpower, if you let it. My book was terrible. I, I mean, I showed him my poetry. I want to die. I want, I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, you showed Graham all of your poetry. Hello, hello, oh, hello. hello. There he is. Hello, There's Graham. a beautiful face. Hey, Michael, how are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you today? I'm all right. Not too bad. Good. Bought a fish at the weekend. Oh, that's not a very interesting story. How about we get our first guest on? Sure. Today? Yeah. No, let's move past that. Um, who have we got today? Lun. Kitty Lun of Facebook Creative Shop, um, Hong Kong, China, creative legend. Really looking forward to talking to her, not you, but her. Of course. Let's get to it. Hello, Kitty. Michael. How are you going? Pretty good. I decided to stay home today. So you can relax. We can put our feet up wearing shoes or not. So Kitty, thank you for joining us on Imposterous, which as you know, is a podcast where we talk to creative people about fears of potentially not being good enough, not fitting in where they actually belong. Um, and I was looking into your background and I, and I know that um, we use words and throw them around and I, I see the word Hong Kong, greater China, creative legend and looking at your career, it's, it's been quite something, you know, starting off at Leo Burnett's in Hong Kong, working in Taiwan, working your way to a management role where you were managing director and chief creative officer, being called words like digital pioneer, you've written books, advertising without with no lipstick and a talk and can lions regarding um, behind Mad Men and towards... Like it, uh, it's about gender equality. That's actually the very first talk uh, on main stage about diversity. I was so surprised. That was like around, I think, 2005. It's getting better. Yes, yes. And now, and now you're the Greater China's head of creative shop and that's you know, a, a change again for you. And this, you know, this podcast that we're doing is talking about, you know, imposter syndrome and not feeling like you, you should be there. Tell me how, how that is for you. And, and, and when you first started, I guess, experiencing the idea of, oh, my God, I don't fit in. How's that been? All my life. <laughs> it's getting worse and worse as I move. You see, imposter syndrome is something that you feel inside, right? You are the only person who knows yourself and you know you're not good enough. Well, other people may see that you are good. So that is how that imposter syndrome, um, you know, appears. And uh, this is the fear of being found out. I fear, I fear all my life that I, I may be found out and uh, people will say, you're not good enough. So the front that I put up, I always feel that it's a, an optical illusion. And I, I guess you uh, kind of, others may see you as being confident and competent, but I just felt that that 
probably is the facade you put up uh, to hide your insecurity. I feel that all my life. When I was a creative, I always feel worried that other people may find out that you're actually not very creative. You cannot come up with ideas. And then when I became management, that was worse because coming from a creative background and uh, having to, I thought, you know, I can run a creative department. Yeah, running a, a whole agency is the same. Oh, no. Um, I was very bad with uh, numbers and finance. And I was fortunate enough. I No, I was unlucky at the very beginning, actually. Uh, lots to talk about that, you know, the, the CFO at that time. And later on, I was uh, finding allies in the finance department. <laughs> and that actually boosted my confidence a lot. But I, I still have that imposter syndrome because I don't know. I rely on them who yeah. know and teach me what to do. And what's even worse is when I joined Facebook, that I'm in a totally unknown area. I guess that is probably what drives me uh, because I always uh, am afraid of, you know, not being good enough. So trying to um, reach higher and higher and go into unknown areas, maybe that is uh, what drives me all along. So that's why I just, you know, poked my nose and plunged in to into you know it's not an advertising agency it's a media platform it's social media it's something that i totally don't know what i found out is uh there's a meme in the company that you know your first 18 months everybody feels imposter syndrome so um i actually i now share my experience with people who are you know noobs joining the company and then don't worry everybody feels that at during the first eighteen months, and uh, it's okay. So, is that is that the is that the type of advice you would give someone who's walking in? You know, we we talk about this people who are starting out. What the advice that you would actually give them regarding this feeling of wow, what am I doing here? Depends on who the person is. Like for really young people, I think I probably would advise them that imposter syndrome is good because then you know. Nobody knows, only you know, and you know, you know, maybe you feel you're not good enough. Uh, that's, that's a good thing because it drives you to know better, to learn and to become more. But when I'm talking to people who are, you know, like a bit more mature and more like, you know, successful in the career, uh, I probably will say um, imposter syndrome is good because uh, you get a chance to curate who you are, curate your own brand, how you want other people to see you. And it's not hiding, it's not lying, but only you know deep inside who you are, what you are. But what do you want the world to imagine who you are and what you are capable of? And that may be an opportunity for you to reveal yourself objectively and what you want to curate the image of yourself. Being heard is obviously a very important thing for someone in their career working their way through. You're now managing teams. You're at Facebook, being heard in an organisation of that size and even knowing how to navigate your way to places where you should be heard. How do you, how do you, how do you balance that with the idea of, I don't know, having to push yourself forward all the time? Um, maybe I don't. <laughs> 
Well, in my agency days and in Facebook, uh, yeah, there are a lot of people, different departments, because I always say the, the workplace is not a popularity contest. I think what, what I've always been uh, focused on is what are our goals and priorities and how do I achieve them? So you yes, think there's a difference then between being liked and being good? I used to work with someone who would say, I'm not here to make friends, I'm here to make ads. And he was very hell-bent on that fact that didn't really care what people actually thought of him, whether they liked him or not. It was just to be judged on their work, as opposed to other people who, who do believe it is. I agree. Not here to make friends. Uh, I'm here to make ads. So that is my principle. However, when we want to make ads, and especially when we want to make good ads, we need collaboration. Now, I need collaboration, I, but I don't need to, like, you know, be someone's friend. I think there are common goals and uh, the result says everything driving to, you know, the end point. So I'm not here to make enemies. Yeah, interesting. I, I heard um, Barbara Streisand was quoted, I always wanted the spotlight until I had it. And I just wondered if that, if you thought that was quite a way that women in particular might feel about the spotlight. I, I wonder about cultural differences with imposter syndrome. It's kind of like that there's this desire to to be seen in some cultures. Um, and then in other cultures, there's this, this shyness around success. Um, how, how do you think that affects different people and places? Oh, my God. You are talking to a double whammy, right? A female and an Asian in the white boys club. So uh, on the cultural side, um, Chinese are usually more quiet. And uh, when they have an opinion, they don't express it. And female, becoming a senior copywriter is already like my ceiling. <laughs> that if, you, if, if I allow that to be my barriers, then so be it. But at that time, I think I was actually taking advantage of it in several stages. At the very, very, very beginning, when the creative director, executive creative director, all the account people are like senior people are white, Caucasian, male, uh, and then some, you know, Chinese people, usually male. Actually, I was sometimes called into meetings to be the token Asian and token female, you know, appearing in front of clients saying, oh, our agency it has diversity. We have local insights. So I, I kind of understand my role that they want me to be in. So I can either feel um, offended or I can take advantage of it. And I took the latter, of course. Being the token female Asian in the room, I always express things that um, I want to say rather than keeping quiet, the subservient female who make tea. No, I'm not doing that. So my advice is take advantage of what you are and who you are. Uh, we don't need to be afraid. And how do you think um, the thought of, around your feelings around imposter syndrome help you in presentations? Because we talk a lot about, you know, the, the exciting part of the job and, and there are many like coming up with the idea, selling the idea, making the idea and all of those things and you needing to have a voice in each of those stages, in as far as presenting work and standing up and kind of saying this is what you should do, how does your kind of like feelings of, you know, <laughs> I may not be the right person help you through that? You know, at the beginning of your career, you always feel that my, my idea is the best. 
you like it or not. You know, this is the best. If you don't buy my idea, is is your loss, right? A lot of uh, young creative feel that way. I felt that way too. So my presentations were really poor. I mean, I don't care because uh, this is the storyboard, and uh, don't even explain. And I, I was, I wasn't sure whether I was afraid to uh, speak up or afraid to present. Um, it's just I felt that. It probably is the vulnerability that turned into overconfidence. My turning point actually came early in my career, so I was thankful for that. Um, it was a presentation workshop. Every agency does that, right? Uh, they send a few people to the workshops and try to learn some skills. So you know, you learn all those, you take notes, and you understand, you know, what makes a good presentation. But my the thunderstruck uh, at the moment that oh. Sh- Wow, creating the work was half of the job. Presenting it and selling it and making other people accept it. I hate the word sell, but make other people accept it and see it the way that you see it. And that is the presentation. And that's um, where I realized that it's actually half of the job. Yeah, I used to. I used to be. I don't say it as much anymore because I've worked from home for too long. But I, I would always say, don't celebrate a good meeting. But now I kind of think, yeah, well, you should celebrate a good meeting. You should probably celebrate anything and um, and and everything. Um, Key, this has been great. Was there anything on this subject that you wanted to say that um, we haven't talked about as yet? I think everyone has imposter syndrome, one way or another. So uh, I started, you know, trying to look at other people, <laughs> like around us. Everyone is putting up an image that they want to curate. And they all seem flawless, senior, junior, everybody. And I cannot help but think that, you know, actually everyone probably feels insecure inside. And I think that bit of uh, vulnerability is good. I had some very good experience. I'm not going to go into detail, but I've been very confident for a long time. But being able to show your vulnerability and admit that you are wrong and apologize, I think that made me feel good because... And, and is know, that to colleagues? Is that to people you work with, you think? Like when, because we work oh, yeah. in departments and being able to have those honest conversations with people you work with. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, there was one episode that I was feeling like really bad. I, I, I did something wrong and uh, I was feeling so bad. I couldn't sleep for the whole weekend. I internalized, 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 and I was not feeling good. So the next week I decided to, you know, publicly apologize in the group meeting, regular meeting. And I suddenly I felt released that, you know, you you don't have to pretend when you do something wrong, let your vulnerability show. And that's a good thing. It's good for you. Now, Probably by Monday, everybody forgot about the mistake that I committed already. It was only me who was, you know, and internalizing it. And probably by now, everybody forgot about that. But but it made me feel, um, it made me feel better. Like there was closure to that particular episode. And also, um, I feel that um, by showing the vulnerability and, and apologizing, um, it made people they they don't think too they 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 shouldn't think highly of me, uh, and they think 
you know, me being me. And I think that is good enough. Thank you very much. I don't have any other questions at all, but it's been great talking to you, Kitty. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for Thank inviting me. Kitty, we have we have a saying on the imposterous, which is you are creative, you are loved, and you belong. Well, yeah. wow. Yeah. Okay. It's rather deep okay. for this um for this show, but uh, yeah, we mean it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening to The Imposterous. Apart from our fine, imposterous guests, none of this would have been possible without the help of the following wonderful frauds. Firstly, Andrew Stevenson at We Love Jam Studios, best music and sound house in Australia. Without his help, this would have been a series of WhatsApp messages with emoji responses. And also Hilton Moday, who has graced us with his theme music that you're listening to now. If you would like to catch up on all the other podcasts in The Imposterous series, visit theimposterous.com. Here you can also get in touch with us via email.